0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, May 10th, 2021. Well, happy Monday, everybody. It's exciting to start a new week, and I'm particularly excited to be back digging into God's Word with you here on Revival from the Bible. Thank you very much to Pastor Charlie for filling in for me last week as I was out with the birth of our new son, Watson Bruce Blakey, who was born last Tuesday. He's doing great. His mom is doing great, and we are so thankful for this new gift from God. And over the last few days, especially as my wife has been spending lots of time caring for our youngest now, baby Watson, I've been spending a lot of time with our older three children, Hannah, Mac, and JJ. And uh, as I've been spending time with them, we've had a lot of fun together. We've really enjoyed uh, some special time together. But there's also been a lot of parenting that has to go on as these young children are learning "...as we all did when we were children, the world does not revolve around you." I mean, all of them are now having to learn, whoa, there is another member of the family that we need to consider. We need to be patient with. We need to be gentle around. We need to be understanding because it's not all about us. And even there's been some moments where I've had to direct, uh, to speak to some of these things directly. It was just the other morning where one of my kids asked me, where's my breakfast? And I had to gently remind them that I am not your servant. The world does not revolve around you. And that is something that, while again, we get a little more refined as we think about that, something we all need to be reminded of from time to time. The world does not revolve around us. And we need to ask that question as we get into God's word today. Who is at the center? What? Who does the world really revolve around? around. And we're going to see one passage where I think we see a great example in that. And then we're going to see three other passages that I think show us a problem with that in one way or another. So let's start with Psalm 57, 7 through 11. Psalm 57, 7 through 11. And as we wrap up this Psalm, we're going to see a good example of someone that realizes, oh, it's all about God. He is the King. I am His servant. And we see that really expressed very well in verse 11, which is the same as verse 5 from our reading on Saturday, where he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Uh, David here, he gets it. It's all about God. It is all about his glory. And even clearly in a time of His own trouble, when he is in the cave, he is fleeing from Saul, as it says in the notes at the beginning of this psalm, he is still focused on God and God's glory and God's purposes. That is a good example for all of us, that even when we are in time of of trouble or trial, it should still be all about God. And so as we think about that, we really see even how that affects his attitude As we start in verse 7, he says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds." Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. And what I love seeing there is that when we do actually put our attention on God, when we make Him at the center, that actually frees us up and allows us to make a resolve. Notice how many times He says, I will, in verses seven through nine. He is making a commitment, He is making a resolve that he will praise God because because he knows it's all about God. He knows God is at the center. He knows that God's will is going to be accomplished. And that frees him up to say, no matter what's going on, I am going to praise God. Even though I am in this cave, man, I am going to wake up the dawn with worship and with praise to God. Can you say that this Monday morning? Can you say, whoa, hey, awake my glory. I'm going to awake the dawn and I'm going to do it with praise, with giving thanks to God among the peoples, among the nations, praising his steadfast love, praising his faithfulness. When we put God at the center, it really frees us up to worship him and to have that resolve no matter what circumstances are in our lives to honor him. So I hope that helps you this Monday to put God at the center of your life today to put God at the center of this new week and to respond to whatever you're facing today with a resolve to worship and honor God and give him the glory that is his due. So that's a good example in Psalm 57. But now we want to move on to some examples that are not so good and all of them we'll see in one way or another. First, let's go to our other Old Testament passage today, 1 Samuel 3 and 4. 1 Samuel 3 and 4, and here we see some people that I think really are putting themselves at the center and trying to enlist God as their servant in a superstitious way. In chapter 3, we read the familiar story of God calling Samuel and how Samuel thinks Eli is calling him, and finally Eli rep realizes what's going on and tells Samuel, next time you hear the voice say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And God gives Samuel a very hard message for Eli's family. That there is going to be judgment from God that really comes, especially because of the sin of Eli's sons. And God even calls him out in verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house, talking to Eli forever, for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. That's a strong word that even there was a a point where Eli was expected to step in and stop his sons from doing what they were doing. And we see uh, yesterday, as Pastor Charlie reminded, he wasn't very strong in this way as a father. And even though at some point he does talk to his sons about it, uh, God was expecting him to do more than just talk to his sons about it. He was expecting him to step in and do something about it, to stop them and to restrain them. But really, the bad example we're going to see today is chapter four, where the Philistines are going to capture the Ark. Now, how in the world does this happen? Well, basically, the Israelites are fighting in a war with the Philistines. It's not going well. So they want to bring in basically a good luck charm. They want to bring in the Ark of the Covenant right? And it gets them obviously riled up as the ark comes into the camp. Israel gives a mighty shout there in 1 Samuel 4 verse 5. But then uh, we see the Philistines, they respond by pumping themselves up and they go out and they win the battle and they steal, they capture the ark of God. And really, then that goes on to be a sign of grief, Eli hears this, that his sons are, are died and, and he falls over basically and dies. The daughter, his daughter-in-law, the, the wife of one of his wicked sons dies giving birth and she names the child Ichabod, which is a, not a name you hear very much because it means the glory has departed. Not really something that, that was not on the short list for my wife and I, as we named our third son, but we don't want to name him. The glory has departed. But this is a sad thing. But we see, really, I think the Israelites are trying to manipulate God and to use him for their own purposes. That is something that still happens today, unfortunately, where people try to use God to accomplish their purposes. It happens a lot, I think, even in churches It happens a lot in, you know, Christian speaking or in Christians as they think about things where basically they think God is my helper, my servant to help me win my battles to accomplish my dreams. That's not the way it works. Who is at the center? God is at the center. He does not exist merely to serve us, to help us accomplish his dreams. We exist for his purpose and for his glory and we should be his servants. And that's when we, yeah we can praise God because God gives us the strength we need to go out and fight the battles we need to fight to honor and serve him. Not just the battles we need to fight for whatever our aspirations are. And so that's another good reminder for us to check who is at the center. Are we really just using God to help support us in our dreams? Or are we realizing, no, God is at the center. It's all about his glory. And I am living to honor and exalt him. There's a crucial difference there. Next, let's move to Mark chapter seven, Mark seven, one through 13. And here we see another conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees and the Pharisees ask him why his disciples do not wash their hands. And Jesus says, well, we've already had COVID, so we're not really concerned about getting it again. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on here. And really, this whole washing of hands had nothing to do with hygiene, it seems. Uh, What's going on here is that uh, there's some kind of tradition, and this is a ritual cleansing. And you're going to see here, Jesus clearly talks about tradition. That is a word that comes up here several times. And what we're going to see is the disciples were not disobeying some command of scripture. They were going against a human tradition. And Jesus strongly warns the Pharisees saying, you are so into your human traditions that you're actually neglecting what God has actually said. You're exalting the traditions of man above the commandments of God. And again, there's some things that we need to learn here as well. We need to be careful that we don't exalt the traditions of man to a place where they do not belong. And even think about ways you might do this uh, as you maybe think about your church or your own Christian life, and you look out at other people who do things differently than you do, and you start to feel superior. You start to get a little smug thinking, look how I do things. Look how my church does things. When the reality is some of those things aren't really things based on clear commands in scripture. It's just tradition. You do things because that's how you do it. Or your church does things because that's a tradition that they have. And those things might be well and good and fine. But when we start to feel superior or smug or better than others because we do things differently based on different traditions, that is not what it's about. God needs to be at the center. And first and foremost, we need to make sure, God, your commandments are more important than the traditions of man. So I need to make sure, first and foremost, that I am doing what you have commanded and making sure uh, that I'm not just, you know, fitting in. Because it's easy to kind of follow the religious rituals and play the religious game. It's harder to obey God truly from the heart. And that's what we want to do because God is at the center. Uh, finally, let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9, and we've already seen in 1 Corinthians that there is a problem of division in the church of Corinth, and we see today, part of it is they're identifying themselves with these um, different preachers or these different ministers. We saw that back in chapter 1, but here Paul comes back to that, you know, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos, and he says, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And so here, I want you to think through this warning in a couple ways, remembering humans are not at the center of ministry. God is. And so one, think about that in people you might minister to or ministry responsibilities that you might have. It's not about you. Christ should be at the center of of that, and you're nothing, you're either planting or sowing or watering, but ultimately it is God who is giving the increase. And so, in any ministry post that you might have, we need a certain humility that we should see, even from this passage in 1 Corinthians. But I also want you to think about the flip side of this and think about the people who minister to you and you benefit from their ministry, whether that's your pastors or certain authors or speakers that have really ministered to you over the years. Well, be careful that you don't start putting them up on a pedestal where they don't belong because it's not about them. So whether it's about you doing ministry and reminding yourself it's not about me or you looking kind of in a proper way at the people who minister to you and realize, hey, it's not about them, it's about Christ, and I'm thankful for them because of how they have pointed me to Christ. That's the way we should think because Jesus is at the center and we want to keep him there. So it's great to be back with you today. And I hope as we start this new week for all of us, we will find our lives revolving around Jesus Christ and the glory of God. And may we be able to say with David, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.